Good morning, church. <clears throat> Got a catch in my throat today, so I might have to take a few more water breaks than normal. But um, thank you for praying for my dad. Um, I want to say hi to them because they might be watching this on. Uh, my sisters are with him in the, the hospital. He's hopefully getting released today or tomorrow, but my sisters are there with him and they might be watching this online this morning. So hello to them if they are. Uh, what a great weekend we had last weekend with John and Lois Nisley here from Ohio. And uh, John did a wonderful job leading us through the whole spiritual gifts sessions. And we hope that each of you who are here had a or have a better idea of um, your passion and your spiritual gifts and uh, how the Lord has gifted you um, with those passions for ministry in the kingdom of God. And uh, like it says in the bulletin, you know, if you weren't able to be here and would like to go through the questionnaire or whatever, um, just see me after worship today and I can get you uh, those materials. Let's turn uh, together in God's word today to 2 Peter. It's toward the end of your Bibles, right? Just a little bit before Revelation. And uh, Peter is talking here about how to live or to lead a godly life in Jesus Christ. And he has a, a, a very helpful equation as a part of this. And so um, as we read this together, listen for what that equation is. And uh, it includes, of course, spiritual disciplines and self-control, which is what we're talking about this morning. So Second Peter, verses 3 through 11 of the first chapter. Says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promise promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, And to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's first Peter or Second Peter chapter one, verses three through eleven. Some years ago, uh, the BBC reported on a story that happened back in 1983 that many people had not heard before that time. In the early morning hours of September 26, 1983, the Soviet Union's early warning systems detected an incoming missile 
from the United States. Computer readout suggested that several missiles had been launched at them. And uh, so the protocol for the Soviet military would have been to immediately retaliate with their own nuclear attack on us. But duty officer Stanislav Petrov, whose job it was to register these apparent enemy missile launches, that night felt as if something was not quite right. He did not report them to his superiors, and instead he assumed or dismissed them as a false alarm, which in the end they were. So his decision that night to hold off and to exert some self-control may have saved the world. And 30 years later, after the Soviet Union fell, uh, Mr. Petrov was actually interviewed about the incident. And he said he didn't think of himself as a hero, but he did say this. He said, they were sure lucky it was me on the ship that night. You know, there's been a lot of talk recently about the use of artificial intelligence in our world. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Could it be used for good or evil? Or even the question of how much control we humans would have if it's, you know, just set free to do whatever it thinks it needs to do or, or wants to do. Now, of course, there are varying levels of AI in our world today. But some of the major concerns are around an issue that is called jailbreaking. As Janice B. Cheney writes, that term jailbreaking is used when artificial intelligence bypasses important guardrails that are supposed to keep it from promoting conspiracy theories or producing dangerous or offensive content or doing things that we may not want it to do. So by adding strings of characters to natural language prompts, jailbreakers can trick the machine into deceptive replies. And you could also add to that deceptive actions. You know, if artificial intelligence were to be given too much freedom, who knows what it might do? What if AI would have been monitoring those nuclear missile systems back in 1983? And it wasn't Stanislav Pertrov on, on duty that night or on the shift that night. Well, this message isn't about missile warning systems or artificial intelligence this morning, thank goodness. <laughs> um, but we know all about this idea of guardrails and what they are supposed to protect us from in life. When my dad and I drove the million dollar highway in western Colorado last summer, we kind of wished they would have put a few more guardrails on that road. <laughs> um, you know, you talk about steep and, and no end in sight. You can see some of the pictures there on the screen. And Bob Plank, he knows all about this because uh, several years ago he rode his motorcycle uh, on that million dollar highway. I found out the locals out there um, 
used to joke that they would only drive that section of road if someone would pay them a million dollars. And so there's some, uh, some who think that's kind of how it got its name. But guardrails are meant to keep you from going somewhere you shouldn't go and really don't want to go. In life, we call that self-control. And it's something that every human needs in their life to keep from doing things they shouldn't do and going places that they shouldn't go. Self-control is a key part of what Peter shares here in these verses. And it's also actually found in over 173 verses in the Bible. Self-control is. But let's start with verse 3 of this passage. Peter says that the divine power of Jesus Christ has given us everything that we need to live a godly life. Now, living a godly and righteous life, of course, is one of the most important instructions that is laid out for us in Scripture, in the Bible. It is what God desires for us. It's what Jesus encourages And the Holy Spirit will help us to live a godly life if we truly desire that. As Peter says here in verse 4, it helps us to escape the corruption in the world that is caused by evil desires. Also known as sin. And then he gives us that equation to help us uh, with this. First, he says that we need to add goodness to our faith. And then knowledge, and then self-control. And then we need to persevere, we need to add godliness, and finally we need to add mutual affection and love. It's interesting that that Peter is the uh, one writing this because, you know, oftentimes we talk about the 12 disciples. Um, He is the one that is known to have been the most... um, impulsive, argumentative maybe, and stubborn. And yet he is one of the leaders, main leaders of those 12 disciples. So, you know, perhaps he is writing this to himself as much as he is to to others. It's kind of like preachers, you know, when we often preach, it's not only to those who are hearing, but it's to the preacher himself when we're preaching. Because none of us have all of these things mastered. But we need our master Jesus and the Holy Spirit to help us grow in these areas. Verse 8 mentions that if we possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive. In other words, they will help us to lead a godly life and escape or be able to resist the temptations of sin. But today, we're going to focus a little more on spiritual disciplines and especially self-control. Spiritual disciplines are, are really our pathway to spiritual growth. And so what are they? One of my favorite classic books was written by Richard Foster. And some of you may have read it before. 
It is a classic in Christian uh, literature and so on. But its title is Celebration of Discipline. He writes about many things that we can do to help us live an intentional life towards God that will help to keep us focused on holy living and protect us from the temptations in this world. And he starts by uh, by writing about what he calls the inward disciplines. You can see them on the screen there. Meditation, prayer, fasting, and studying God's word. Those all, of course, require us to take time and to spend time focusing on godly things. They also take discipline in that, you know, we have to... We have to want to make time or make them happen and then see to it that they do become a part of our life. Think about meditation. Meditation is really just thinking about God and thinking about the things of God, meditating on them. Prayer, of course, is communicating with the Lord. We heard about it already this morning, talking to God, talking to Jesus. Fasting is giving up something that is maybe controlling us. It isn't always food, by the way. Studying God's word is taking time to make an important part, to make it an important part of your day and your week. What in our life can we give up in order to find more time to read Hear and study God's truth and God's promises to us. The next four Foster writes about are outward spiritual disciplines. These four are simplicity, solitude, submission, and service. How can we simplify our life? How much time are we finding to be alone and and to block out the noise of the world? Are we submitting to Jesus's desires for us? And are we serving others in the way that Jesus has showed us how to serve? You know, if you if you think about it, all of those are forms of discipline. Because, you know, we have to discipline ourselves to not always be so self-absorbed or, or self-focused. And those those outward disciplines help us in that sense. The final four that Foster writes about in his book are what he calls the corporate disciplines. So this is where the church, small groups, and the fellowship of believers are important in our life. Those are confession, worship, guidance, and celebration. You know, within the body of Christ, we have others to worship with. We have others to confess our sins to, as well as confessing to the Lord. We receive guidance from each other in the body of Christ. And we celebrate the things of life together that we have to celebrate. In our individualistic culture these days, these are things that that many people are casting aside. Not realizing the importance 
in, in our lives and in our faith journey as we go through life in this world. We need each other now probably more than ever. So these are some spiritual disciplines that help us to stay on that path of holy living and keep us from being unproductive and ineffective as Peter is talking about here in these verses. If you think about these disciplines, they really do line up with these encouragements that Peter also shares here. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love. But I want to take the rest of our time this morning to focus on self-control. It's mentioned here in 2 Peter. And it is also one of the fruits of the Spirit that we heard earlier when Ed read Galatians 5 for us. As I said earlier, self-control is mentioned over 173 times in Scripture. Some have said that self-control is also a make-or-break discipline if you want to live a godly life. Because, you know, it's like, it's like guardrails that keep you on the road. Or self-restraint that, that keeps you from doing what you know you shouldn't do. Randy Frazé uh, once said it this way, self-control is not only about what we don't do, but what we should do. In other words, you know, it can be an encouragement to help you make the right choice instead of just a restraint to keep you from making a wrong choice. Many times we need to be encouraged to think before we act. To say no when our sinful flesh may be telling us to say yes. Or to say I won't when temptation is trying to get us to say I will. Another way to think about this is, is to say I don't want to do that. I don't want to watch that. I don't want to go there. I don't want to drink that. I don't want to smoke that. I don't want to have any part of that. Whatever that thing is that will keep you from doing what is best for your life or our lives and what God desires for us. God wants to purify us, and we need the Holy Spirit to keep us on that path to purification. We cannot do this on our own. We need the fruit of the Spirit from the Holy Spirit in order to be self-controlled and disciplined. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, Paul says, For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. You see, God gives us these things to help us resist temptation. But God also gives us guidelines and commandments to follow as well. 
When our children were young, uh, we lived in a fairly, fairly busy street here in town. And so there was a line on our driveway. It was actually a little gap in the concrete when they poured the concrete. And so we had that line be the limit uh, to how far they could go uh, close to the street. And uh, so if a ball went over that line and went out into the street, they were supposed to come get us to go and get it. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, we need to have some of those lines for us as adults as well. You know, this is as far as you go. Otherwise, trouble may, be, may find you on the other side. Now, that sounds like a violation of our freedom, doesn't it? And yet, in truth, it brings us freedom. We are free in Christ. We know that. We celebrate that. We testify to that here as, a, as the body of Christ. But we are not free to do whatever we want to do. Especially if it will cause us to sin or go against the will of God. Freedom is not the absence of restraint. In many ways, it is restraint and self-control that brings us freedom. I was, uh, I was reading Psalm 23 this week and thinking about how Jesus wants to help us with these things. And... Um, you know, we often think of Psalm 23 being about Jesus and the good shepherd and all that. But in verse 4, it says this. It says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And, you know, what does a shepherd use his rod and staff for? Think about that. The staff has a hook on the end, and why is that? Because if one of the sheep is going astray, the shepherd can grab that and bring him back in. That's a comfort for us. To know that God is not going to only lead us, but help to keep us from going astray. And I think we all know we need that at times because... Um, if we are left on our own, we sometimes fail to live up to the pure and godly life that Christ desires for us. That fruit of self-control, we sometimes leave on the tree. So, how can we ask for that help and rely on that help and be disciplined enough to be self-controlled when we need to be? It begins with us walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Peter hints at it in these verses, but, but Paul makes it very clear there in Galatians 5. He says, walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of your flesh. For the flesh is going to desire what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit contrary to the flesh. So you see they're in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want to do, it says. 
So this takes us back to those spiritual disciplines that we looked at earlier. I mean, those disciplines are to help us walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. If you just go about your week and you pay no attention to to prayer, to Bible reading, to devotions and other spiritual helps, you are more likely to give in to temptations than if you have those disciplines active in your daily life. I knew someone in years past that fell into a deep pattern of sin. And when I spoke with them a few years later after that, they said this. In that time, when those things happened, my relationship with Jesus was not what it needed to be. And so I gave in to temptation and I fell into terrible sin. So we need to walk in the Spirit by asking the Holy Spirit to help us with these things. When we're filled with the Spirit, we're we're able to say no to the flesh. Next, you may need to acquire some new habits. It seems like diet and exercise are all the craze these days. I mean, that's good. Because that's important for our physical well-being. Maybe you drink more water today than you used to. Or you consume less sugar than you used to. Maybe you exercise more than you used to. Keep it up. Those are all good things. But when it comes to other things in our life. What new habits do we need to start? And which ones do we need to leave behind? Because many times, you know, in the New Testament, the spiritual life or the Christian walk is compared to things like running a race or conditioning our soul for the things of heaven instead of always focusing on the things of earth. So, you know, perhaps a new habit means finding new friends to hang out with or new places to go that will keep you on the right path. We will always need to practice self-control, but, you know, some of these choices we make could actually make it easier on us or easier for us. And finally, we need to guard our thought life. Our body often reacts to our mind. And so if, if your mind is telling you it's okay to do something you shouldn't do, then your body's just going to go along with it. Or if Satan is using your mind to fill you up with thoughts and things that are not true, you need to have self-control in guiding your mind in a different direction or asking the Lord to fill your mind with things that are good and holy and true. There's no doubt that right thoughts and a correct mindset will help us to empower self-restraint. So when you know when you're thinking those dangerous thoughts, get some of those spiritual disciplines in your life that will help you to instead think of godly thoughts. What we must remember in all this is that this is a journey that every single one of us are on. We will all deal with temptation 
temptations, probably should be the word there. All of us have sinned and fallen short times in our life. But as Peter says in verse 10 here, we need to make every effort to keep from stumbling. We need to make every effort we can to live a godly and holy life before Jesus. And when we fall or when we fail, we know that Jesus is there to pick us up. Jesus will pick us up. Jesus will forgive us if we ask for that forgiveness. And Jesus will move us forward. But at the same time, we need to learn from those mistakes. And not keep falling into the same temptations that, that sometimes plague us. The Holy Spirit is here and there, will be there to help. And Jesus wants to help as well. Finally, along with the call to live a godly and holy life in this passage this morning, my final encouragement would be this. Don't give up trying or making progress. Even if it means starting with small steps to get you to where you want to be. You know, if you mess up, don't give up. Stand in the grace and the salvation of Jesus to, to rise up in his power and be an overcomer of what it is in your life that you need to overcome. As Peter says in these final verses here, he says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. And then in verse 11, it says, you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May it be so. Amen. Let's stand, if you are able, let's stand and go before the Lord and ask for help in this call to live and holy life and godly life in Christ. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning and we thank you for the encouragement from your word today. We, we pray, Lord, that you would help us in this important fruit of the Spirit called self-control. Lord, help us to realize that there are certain guardrails or things in our life that need to be there to keep us on the right path, to keep us from going down journeys that will get us in trouble and cause sin and and uh, many other problems and things in our life. Lord, help us to stay on the straight and narrow and help us to look to you and to the Holy Spirit to help us with that. Lord, I don't know what each person is thinking this morning when it comes to self-control. There's probably different things that we all need help with. But I pray, Lord, that each one of us individually might think of what it is in our life that we need to have more self-control over. What is it we need to say no to? What is it that we need to turn from? What is it that we need to get out of our life in order to lead a holy life as you have called us to? I pray that your Holy Spirit would not only... Uh, just convict us of that this morning, but allow us 
to be submissive in the idea of giving it to you and asking you to and your Holy Spirit to help us overcome that and to be overcomers. Lord, go with us today as we go from this place and as we go out into this dark world where those temptations are. I pray that you would just give us, uh, give us a daily dose of your spiritual disciplines that will help, help us stay on that right path. Help us to choose to put them into our life and make them important part of our daily walk. Bless each one that's here this morning. This uh, Lord, bless those who are watching online. We just pray your blessing over us as we leave here this time of worship together this morning and go out into the world to be your church. It is in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, that we pray all of these things. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless everyone. Have a great week.